everybody! And welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today. Um, kind no. of an interesting situation we find ourselves in. Uh, it's a little bit embarrassing, not gonna <laughs> lie, but um, for a long time now, we've been planning the 200 episode special. Um, Dylan teased it over on social media that the 200 episode special is coming, <laughs> and then it was like, uh, you know, we should double check those numbers, and we've actually only released... <laughs> 198 episodes which means we are two episodes short and because we filmed this whole well we're we're not filming but we we had this whole idea for a 200 episode special you can't release it as episode 199 you know it just doesn't have the same energy so it's a bad faith move it's a bad faith move so what we wanted to do was crank out episode 199 for you guys but that you know this is only a blessing because that means we get to talk about an extra book this year. One that we didn't expect to be talking about this year, but here we are thanks to the wonders of counting to 200. You know, we've had to, you know, reschedule episodes, move episodes around, cancel episodes, re-upload episodes. It caused our number, you know, over the two years we've been doing the show almost. It, we, we, we lost track of the numbers a little bit. And the, you know, counting like, is hard. Counting is hard and keeping track of all these episodes. There's been so many now. It's like, what, supposed to know the exact number? So I just thought it just felt like 200, but it was really 199. So here we it are. It felt like 200. <laughs> here we are. I was close. Yeah, we never, we <laughs> never made any attempt to count. We're just like, it really feels like 200. Well, all my files we are numbered. And I Honestly, it was... They were numbered wrong. I Honestly, it was lucky it was even close. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful for that. We're only off by one. You know, we're almost out of weeks of the year. We said we were going to end the year with the 200 episode special, <laughs> and we still just might do it. But before we get into that, we do get... It's a holiday season miracle, though. It you is got an extra episode miracle. of Friends Talking Fantasy just because we can't count. Exactly. And you know what? It's it is a it is a holiday miracle. It's an end of year miracle and um I'm looking forward to it. You know, we were trying to think we didn't have much time to kind of like figure out how we were going to squeeze another episode in to record this week, but luck would have it. You know, I I had this book that I was reading and I actually just finished it a few days ago and I was like, "Well, I read this book and uh it's a fantasy book, and it's a popular series, so why don't I just talk to you about it? I mean, you haven't read this one. This is kind of outside the FTF reading, right. but it's fantasy, and I read it, and um, I figured, why not? Let's give it a try. It's a role reversal here, because we've done a couple of episodes like this in the past, notably for Skyward and for uh, for Skyward by Brandon Sanderson mm-hmm. and Babel by R.F. Kuang. Yeah, both Priory of those the I read. Prior the Orange Tree. We had Hannah from our pod on for that one. But yeah, we've done a few episodes where I, Dylan, have read the book, but Charles has not. But today, 
Charles has read the book and I have not, which means I get the awesome role of just being like, oh, that sounds really cool and <laughs> that sounds really interesting and I'm excited. So exactly, this all sounds really cool and interesting and I'm excited to get into it, Charles. I'm excited to get into it too. It's yet another holiday miracle here. Of course, we're talking about Dragon's Dawn by Anne McCaffrey. Now, this had an interesting journey onto my desk and I say desk because it was literally my desk at, at work. One of these days I'll have to tell the story about, you know, how I got my actual day job. And there is a funny fantasy tie into that, but some of my coworkers are also big fantasy novel enthusiasts. And one day, um, one of my coworkers put a stack of books on my desk. And that was also how I read, um, the Sword of Shinara, the Terry Brooks novel. Um, a lot of more of these old school, like pulp fantasy series where like the guy's written a million books. Um, these are kind of the things that my coworkers really interested in. And one of them, after I, I'd read Sword of Shinara, and I, rec I talked about that in like what we read during the hiatus. But another one in that stack was Dragon's Dawn by Anne McCaffrey. Now, I was familiar with the name Anne McCaffrey, and I was familiar with the name of the series, The Dragon Riders of Pern, but I knew nothing about them, had never read anything. So this was a introduction to the series for me. And Dylan, you haven't read any Anne McCaffrey, right? Like, what? anything come up on the socials around The Dragon Riders of Pern? It's one of those books that you can tell a lot of people have read, mm -hmm. but it's been long enough that I don't feel like there's a super active discourse going on about it. Right. But you definitely see Anne McCaffrey's name thrown around on social media, and overwhelmingly you hear people saying positive things about this series. So it's really only been on my radar because of that, and I'm kind of in the boat where you were prior to reading it where I'm aware of it, but I know very little about the mm -hmm. book. So hopefully that uh, is something that will be ameliorated today. <laughs> wow. Great vocab word. And it, I would agree. It Thank is you. one of those ones that's, um, I don't want to say the word antiquated, but it's older school for sure. And I think, we, I'm going to get into more of what I mean by older school as I talk more about the book. But it's funny, when he put this on my desk, I was afraid to read it. I was like, are you sure you want me to take this home? Because it's one of those books that it's just right out of the 80s. And the copyright on this book is 88, which means this book is older than me. The pages are slightly yellow. You know, It's <laughs> definitely like been around and it's been a loving part of... Uh, someone's collection for many many years so i was reading it like barely cracking the spine like i just don't want to return this in anything other than you know, the condition and i'm looking at it it's pretty much mass market paper oh yeah for sure style for sure. from what i can tell like, yeah, oh yeah if you look at my mass market paperback copy of the name of the wind <laughs> that thing the spine is so beat up i tried to take care of books but you know, that one I've read multiple times, so right, that takes right. a hit. But even I have a mass market of Malazan book one, Guardians of the Moon, which it's not like I'm rereading that over and over again. And that one's 
torn apart. But Charles seems to have done a really good job based well, on. I tried what I really on this hard. Like I, tr- I didn't travel with it. I only kept it by my bedside table, and I was very conscious about not having the book like fully open while I was reading it. I was like trying <laughs> to bend it as little as possible. Um, even though my coworker said, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it," I was like, "I'm, I'm worried about it." That's so what they all say. Um, yeah, exactly. So. It's a feels like a piece of fantasy history here, and it's it's and it was kind of interesting to kind of take this like series that's kind of from a different time in the world of fantasy. And Dylan, you're you're talking about like the mass market paperback. If you if you look up this series or this author or other authors around this time, the, the phrase being tossed around is is like a pulp fantasy series, and that's mm. kind of interesting pulp in in that these were kind of like mass produced entertaining stories and there was ton of them the dragon riders of pern has like 20 something books in it let's see i had it open uh comprises 24 novels and two collections of short stories and that's as of 2022 and mccaffrey the author has passed away unfortunately but her son has taken the mantle and is also releasing wow. Dragon Riders of Pern novels. To this day, I'm trying to look at the last release dates here. I'm seeing 2012, so maybe due for a comeback. Uh, we'll see. But that is, um, you know, it's 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 an institution basically. When you get that many books, and and I I had heard like the name Anne McCaffrey rung some bells, but the more I did some research into her. The more fascinating, like, and appreciative I became of the story. Um, what's interesting about Anne McCaffrey, for those who don't know, or maybe um, stronger in, in modern fantasy and haven't kind of dipped into the the classics here, is that she is the first fem- first woman to win a Hugo Award for fiction. And the first to win a Nebula Award. And this was for the debut novel in the Dragon Riders of Pern series called Dragon Rider in uh, 1960. Oh, well, that's she won the Nebula Award for Dragon Rider in 1969. And then she won the Hugo for a novella called Wear Search, which is also part of the Dragon Riders series in 1968. So this was, mm-hmm. you know, a, a big deal in what has become now like you say paved the way for fantasy authors and here's someone who in the like late 60s early 70s was you know becoming the first woman to win a hugo award for fiction and then went on to like become a new york times best-selling author multiple times over every time one of these books came out like this book what's interesting about the one my co-worker gave me and I was wondering why he gave this one to me first. It's called Dragon's Dawn. It's the ninth book in the Dragon Riders of Pearl series. But chronologically, it takes place in the timeline first. So I think that's why Ooh. he gave it to me. It's like, okay, like that's the question. It's like, how do you watch the Star Wars movies? Do you watch them like do you episode four first or episode one? So he gave me episode one. Um, ah, Charles, save that for Roger <laughs> Roger, a Star Wars podcast, your vanity project with our friend Derek. Very true. <laughs> I will save it for that. And we actually, I talked about doing an episode on that and like coming up with like fun, different orders to watch the movies. And I had a fun time doing it, but maybe one day we'll record it. You never know. But um, anyway, 
I normally like to read in publication order because I like to go through the mind and the saga of the author. But in this case, this was the one put in my hands. This is the one that I read. Chronologically takes place first. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes into that. But this is this Dragon's Dawn. Um, and that's a little bit of background on Anne McCaffrey. And I will say her Wikipedia page, it's very impressive. But they did her a little dirty on the... Uh, portrait photo on her wikipedia page i mean she's got it like it's just like a candid shot of her with like her crutches like and she's got like this like i don't know like someone caught her off guard with a photo i don't know we could maybe someone in wikipedia can update that with an author photo at some point but uh otherwise a lot of really interesting accolades and history on that wikipedia page that i recommend checking out but let's talk about dragon's dawn what's interesting about the Dragon Riders of Pern, from what I know, and again, this is the only book I've read, and it's the prequel, so it's like the most unusual, atypical book in the series, is my understanding, but it takes place in Pern, which is uh, basically this more of a fantasy setting, and there's people that ride dragons but what's interesting about dragon's dawn is because it's the first one it kind of or takes place first it it goes into how the dragon riders of pern came to be and i didn't really know that when i was reading it so it's kind of an interesting perspective going into this but i guess you're supposed to read this knowing that you're ultimately going to end up with the dragon riders of pern but there's no dragon riders in the beginning of this where it actually starts is it starts with a spaceship full of people waking up from hypersleep they left earth and they're going to like live colonize a new planet uh, called pern so that's how this thing mm. kicks off it's very heavy sci-fi and and that's the most interesting thing about the dragon's dawn is that it is a really really strong blend of science fiction and fantasy i almost get like you know, Avatar vibes from it, kind of, where you've got this technological society, mm. they're coming into a new planet, and they're, like, taking what they've learned to try and live in this new, more natural, rural environment. So we're talking Cameron Avatar, not Last Airbender. Yes, we're talking James Cameron <laughs> Avatar. And I get those kind of vibes. It's not the same thing. There's not, like, an existing sentient life form unless you count these dragon lizard things but um i can get more into that but the whole premise is that you've got this group of colonists who wake up from hypersleep and land on a foreign planet and they have all the technologies of an advanced civilization that can do advanced space travel and like they have all this science on genetics and bioengineering and and flying spaceships and all this other stuff and they land in this totally like uninhabited natural environment and they're just trying to colonize it and make a new world for themselves and along the way the interesting thing that happens is there's this rain that they call like the fall they call them fall and what it is it's like imagine just like a rain cloud but instead of rain, it's like a parasite that will eat any living thing or biogenetic material. <laughs> so it will like eat through stuff. And then if, it, if you're caught in it, you'll die. You'll get eaten and die. And uh, it's very frightening. 
and it comes out of nowhere towards the beginning of this book and they're trying to figure out how to how do you combat this force of nature that basically just eats any living thing and that's when they find these little dragon-like lizards that are able to breathe fire and and eat these things and and smoke them out with fire and so they work really hard because they they're still got all this sciencey stuff from leaving earth to bioengineer and use genetics to create bigger dragons that they could ride and that could shoot fire and that could teleport and all this other stuff and then there's mm. people that there's the scientists that have the genetic angle and then there's the like guys who were like they were horse riders back on earth and they just want to be one with the animals and they're the dragon riders so they're kind of working together to create these what become dragon riders to you know i don't want to go through the whole story but that's kind of how this thing kicks off it's like how do we take like our understanding of like animal behavior and our understanding of genetics to take on this like natural disaster like rain that kills humans so that's the whole that's the whole premise so it's really interesting it's got colonization vibes it's got bioengineering vibes genetics um animal studies like some really cool things in here but what impressed me most was how ambitious the blend of sci-fi and fantasy really was i think my understanding is most books in the series are way more fantasy leaning but this one is heavy sci-fi and it reads like a science fiction book too i don't know if it, and, and that you know kind of weighs on my recommendation for fantasy fans because you have to be interested in reading something sci-fi because they have like town hall meetings and they're trying to decide what to do and some people want to leave and some people want to stay and some people have different ideas on how to fight this force and different ethical questions come up and there's military and government and like all this other stuff that you really have to you know have a appreciation for sci-fi to to enjoy but it's all in here and it's a unique offering in that way how Anne McCaffrey was able to balance the science and the nature without it being like Avatar where it's like the robots are bad and the Navi are good it's like well everything's good and there's another threat that we're trying to through trial and through error and through science and through our mutual like beneficial symbiotic relationships with each other fight and survive and that is a to me a much more interesting interesting premise because science does have a lot to offer to these kind of situations it's not just like we cut down the trees to make the machines it's like you know they, they're working together and that's the most interesting thing about it and that's um it's the dragon riders of pern really fascinating stuff That's interesting. It sounds like there's some of that moral ambiguity that we associate with later works in the fantasy genre. I think oftentimes when we think back to a series that it sounds like this one was 1988. If I, yep. I'm, According I, to the copyright but, uh, here, it says yeah, a series that started in 68 yep. is which is not even two decades after Tolkien 
wrote the first Lord of the Rings book, The Fellowship of the Rings. It's, that is placing you in a totally different time. I think we usually think of the older fantasy series, the ones from even before Charles was born, <laughs> as being typically dividing things into they're the good guys and they're the bad guys and uh, good and evil. But this sounds like it has more complexity, even though it has that pulp fantasy label to it. Right. And, and, and it's themes like modern fantasy has very complex themes and character work in it. And this is not that in that sense. Like, I think the pulp aspect of it is it's not too hard of a thinker in terms of like trying to figure out like, well, why are we here? What's the meaning of life and all that stuff? It's not here to make us suffer like a grim dark. Why should novel. I read it then, Charles? <laughs> I know, right? Why, if it's not going <laughs> to provide me with the f- ultimate meaning in life, Charles, then <laughs> why why should I read this book? That's a good <laughs> question, and I think it's just meant purely to as surface level entertainment. But the surface level entertainment that it offers is a lot more intricate than you would expect. I think pulp almost does this book a disservice um it's Mm -hmm. because it has a really interesting like i would say anyone interested in biology should definitely pick this up because it's kind of a fun it's kind of a fun way to work biology into a sci-fi fantasy novel um but it's it's really like man and dragon versus nature kind of but the dragon doesn't exist yet they make the dragons and it's interesting and there's a lot to offer in the like 360 pages that makes up this this book um and it comes from this older style of mixing sci-fi and fantasy like much more intertwined i think these days they're so separated but there's not really too much of a magic system here. I mean, the dragons are kind of supernatural and the these like invasive thread species are invasive too. Um, like have this kind of supernatural quality to them. But there's no magic. It's all like, oh, dragons can teleport and breathe fire and fly. That's interesting. Can we breed those into larger versions that could carry a human? Like how many generations of dragon do we have to breed to get to that point? And how many years is it before we can get the female dragons to breed another generation? And then and like, can we compare that breeding schedule to all of the like um, like the forecasts we're getting on when these parasite invasive species like come and rain down on us and do we have can we buy ourselves time like all all these questions and more are explored in in dragon's dawn and and i think if you if you have that more of an analytical mind and you're you're trying to see smart people come up with a new plan and strategy based off of this situation that fell on their laps and, and and that is that is to me always something i really like and that was the most fascinating part of this it's like we're all smart people in this room here's the problem how do we get to the solution what's the answer and you have different people with different backgrounds coming together to um create a plan and there's different setbacks and disagreements and stuff but 
and, and that's where like the sci-fi comes in. It's kind of procedural. And, and, and I think that's why it blends so nice. Uh, I would say this, if I had to give it a ratio, I'd say it's over 50% sci-fi, like maybe 75%. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to consider, but um, it, it's unique. And when I think back of all the books that we've read this year, which are all way more modern fantasy, I'm trying to think of like, so many of these books we've read have come out in the past couple of years. Some, many have come out this year. Uh, it's just a different way of telling a fantasy story. Um, and it's it almost reminds me of, Dylan, when you described this one, I forget the name of the book, but it was like very, written very scientific and it was a person studying dragons. Do you know what book I'm talking about? You oh, Natural it. History of Dragons yeah. by Marie Brennan. Natural History of I'd Dragons. I'd be curious to read book. that after reading this because it, it, I get those vibes that that might be a book where it's like the analytical perspective, scientific perspective pointed at something traditionally fantasy and and kind of enjoying dragons through that like biology lens. I wonder if that's the same, if similar experience. I, and I think it would be worth comparing the two, having only read one of them. <laughs> I just imagine that that would be a good comparison. Yeah. If you combine our knowledge, Charles, we would we would be one superhuman who has read both of those books. <laughs> wow. And we'd be able to tell you. But right now, as two non-superhumans, we... Yeah, we can't tell you for, for for sure, but it does sound a lot like Dragon Riders of Pern could have been an inspiration for Marie Brennan's A Natural History of Dragons, which takes a very academic or biological and even like anthropo- anthropological or, or maybe it's archaeological uh, approach to it and uh, to studying dragons and all that. But... I, it does make me wonder, you know, House of the Dragon is a absolute huge phenomenon right now, and we're coming not too far off of the first season of that. And what attracts people more than anything to House of the Dragon is the idea of the Targaryens as dragon riders. So mm-hmm. as I, I have two questions, uh, Charles. Mm-hmm. One is, do you think that there was inspiration having read this book now uh, from the Dragon Riders of Pern potentially in George R. R. Martin's work. Do you see any of that? And my second question is going to be, do you see this book or maybe if you go on and read the other ones, but uh, do you see this book as a good recommendation for fans of House of the Dragon? A great question. And I, it's certainly possible, but I will say this. Like George R. R. Martin and his dragons and his histories of the dragons, like it's very, very character driven. It's very like politically driven. It's based on medieval history. All of those things like is what brings George R. R. Martin's worlds to life and Dragon's Dawn has like none of that. Like none of the characters are particularly stand out. There's not a whole lot of drama. It's very like cut and dry 
sci-fi fantasy here's the situation here's what we're doing there's not like and then they had this little side feud and then these two were in a relationship and then you know he's having a relation with his twin sister it's like it it just like that kind of intrigue (laughs) there's no intrigue. so no incest charles No. no incest and no intrigue Wow, no, none no. of the ends that characterize the intrigue a song is of ice totally and fire. scenario based <laughs> and problem solving based. Scenario you're a sci fi terraforming colonist on a planet, you don't really have the technology that you're used to, and you're being invaded by something you don't understand. How do you fight back? That's what drives this book. What drives George R. R. Martin's books is like the characters and the politics and the scheming and and none of that is here. So so the the only similarity they have is the respect towards dragons, and it's certainly possible that George R. R. Martin has read all of these dragon stories and was able to pull what he liked. There's certainly the relationship, the connection between the dragon rider and the dragon is something that's explored here. I don't know if Anne McCaffrey was the first to do it, but they have a mental link and connection, and they're able to actually communicate telepathically. Like, dragons can't talk verbally. They can make noises and gesture and all that, but when they communicate telepathically it's written out in english like hey i'm hungry what do you want to eat kind of stuff like it's like you know like where where we, tell me where to go and i'll go there like that's the kind so, of and it's written in italics and like they're actually having a conversation so there could be something there about this like mythical connection between dragon riders and dragons so if you're interested in the actual like what is that connection like and how do they get there then maybe you'd want to give dragons dawn a try if you just want to read the greats in fantasy throughout time george r R. martin being one of the modern greats and Anne mccaffrey you got to put respect on that name first woman to win the hugo award and the nebula award and written like 20 new york times best-selling novels it's like for sure read it and just to see how far we've come and like what's what's popular fantasy these days like I don't know if this would be considered popular fantasy today. I think it would be considered too, I don't want to say dry, but almost too like academic. And you know, the cover is very retro, but not in a way that I think would make a comeback like a Stranger Things kind of retro. It's really like a like a dated retro when I say that with all the peace and love in the world. Mm-hmm. But this this book, like, no one was, like, <laughs> interested in picking this up after me when they saw me. They're like, oh, interesting. And, like, didn't want nothing to do with it after that. So it's like, okay, well, it might need a little bit of a rebranding, refresh. But the story is here. And I would say maybe if you're a sci-fi lover and want to dabble in fantasy, this could be a good transition, like, wean yourself from one to the other. Like, maybe if... I like the Avatar relationship because there's a lot of parallels there. I like, um, I was trying to think of other stories that this reminded me of, but like, I can't get Avatar in my head. All those Navi, where they have to like choose a, choose a, I forget the creatures that they have to like sync up with and then they're able to take on these unknown threats coming and invading their peaceful mm-hmm. very you know organic based planet there's not cities and and cars and all jets and ships and all that so 
Um, yeah, that's the... Sounds like someone's due for a rewatch before heading in for <laughs> Avatar yeah, I'm to, 2. I'm trying the to remember the name of Is the, that what it's called? The Way of, the way of Water. Is yeah, it The I Way of Water? It's definitely not The Shape of Water. That's the one where the woman falls in love with nope. the fish. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> not the fish. It's like a fish man. <laughs> it's a fish. fish. Yeah. But it's like a... Is it a man fish or a fish man? Oh, it's a fish. Hmm, that's a good question. That's one for the scientists, Dylan. <laughs> Who are we to decide? <laughs> yeah. Get the yeah, biologist listeners, get on that. Tell us if this is a man fish or a fish man. Right. But, right. Okay. But back to the book. I do see that it's Michael Whalen, I believe, uh, is how it's pronounced, who did the cover art and What's pretty wacky, this is back in 88, that cover that you're holding, Mm -hmm. that is the same cover artist who did the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. No kidding. Wow. 72-year-old Michael Whalen, he's still at it and doing a great job out there. Yeah, I mean, those are, you know best-selling fantasy covers to this day and and, and, i mean stormlight is people love those covers myself included like they're very notable um and that i think is really interesting because it it has that retro feel which i know brandon sanderson coming from like the wheel of time which you could argue is almost like a pulp series it's a little bit more Mm -hmm. sophisticated than that but like you could where it's you know an author writes 14 books and it's goes crazy into his world and stuff like that um which a lot of fantasy readers are really into myself included um it's interesting that he's pulling on these these greats to write his modern stuff you see the influences coming through to today that's actually a really good find in there nice research dylan because i didn't know that yeah well i was over there on wikipedia and i i saw that really they did do and McCaffrey dirty <laughs> with that, dirty. There are with that Wikipedia in the picture. picture. It's like, if you're yeah. listening to this, <laughs> yeah. Oh, she looks so surprised <laughs> in that moment. It's just like a candid, like taking on a Kodak picture. <laughs> yeah, that's a. It's a really rough one for her. Oh. So can Wikipedia? I I know you're listening. Can you please get Anne McCaffrey a better Put some Wikipedia respect photo? on the name Meanwhile, This is the first woman to win oh, the yeah. award. Can we show Put her, respect a, little, on give her, her name. a little dignity here with a photo that's not, <laughs> no. like, with her walker and shit in it? Like, oh, let's go ahead and modernize that. <laughs> Charles, you're going to have to bleep that. <laughs> I just feel very passionate about it. This woman deserves respect on the name. But, yeah. Uh, one of the few times Charles could not keep it together and keep it clean is being so angry about how Anne McCaffrey was really done terribly dirty. So check out that photo if you if you happen to have access to this thing called Wikipedia. And, and the check out Travis Michael Whalen. Oh, go on about Michael Whalen. Yeah. Actually, I'm interested. My, Michael Whalen. Yes. Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, I don't know if it's going to interest you, his Wikipedia photo, he's killing it. Like, they did not do him dirty at all. 
He's got like this sort of sly smirk to him. He's looking right in the camera. And they caught his good side. So check nice. that one out as well. But I, I believe I'm... Yeah, guess guess what? Waylon himself has won 15 Hugo Awards. Wow. <laughs> what a legend. That is. <laughs> yeah, total legend. So I'm sure we could find a list somewhere of all the covers he's done. But it really does bridge the gap between something as far back as Dragon Riders of Pern and then these really modern cutting edge books that are coming out the basically it sounds like he was doing some of if not the most popular fantasy books coming out in around that time in uh, the 80s maybe oh, wow. he also and did the dark he tower was also yeah illustrations he's for also I mean, so doing, many versions yeah, Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn, which is Tad Williams' work, is a big. That was a big inspiration for George R. R. Martin's work. He's he's talked about that, and also yeah, Dark Tower, like you said, and now he's doing the series that you could make the case is the most popular um, ongoing series outside of A Song of Ice and Fire, I would say. So. Uh, for mm-hmm. fantasy, if I didn't specify that already. So how about <laughs> this guy, Michael Whalen? even just across Waylon? books at all. Brandon Sanderson's up there, you know. He's kind of breaking through. Yeah, the, he's definitely up there. The outside, the but genre. I think but... our buddy Stephen King, the author of uh, <laughs> yeah, Dark too. Tower, is probably, <laughs> probably selling <laughs> I mean, a few more. And... You can buy his books in like yeah. Target, Walmart, a drugstore. <laughs> like, you can get his books anywhere. You know what's funny? I was in Target. This is... <laughs> <laughs> this episode is devolving a bit, but uh, we were we were playing about a half hour, so it's all bonus content. At this bonus point. content. I was at Target the other day, and they have they have a decent selection. I mean, for Target. I mean, right? the one by me in they, terms of fans. They do have Sanderson. I I would guess mine did and not have Sanderson. Mine had like Stephen King. In. They're like, here you go. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, I don't know if he can carry the whole genre, but. They had, you know, a lot of Harry Potter stuff, of course. A lot of young adults. This was stuff. a super target. Oh, well, there you go. It was a super target. You got to get yeah. the super Which in there. changes That's the like, game. Sanderson's like, it's in, written in my contract. I'm only in super targets. None of this normal target nonsense. Right. I need the super. Um, <laughs> but uh, Yeah, right there Sanderson with you. You can go grocery targets. shopping and grab a Stormlight Archive book. There you and go. where else can you do that? Um, but at Target. Ooh. This episode of Friends Talking Fantasy brought to you by Target. I wish. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, one that'd of these be awesome. Do Michael Whalen? Yeah. Okay, and you know uh, that makes so much sense because I'm looking at this cover and I'm like, this is like it a really does look like it, cover. right? And then I'm looking, I'm like, you know what? You take this author and you have him write something or draw some, illustrate something for today's audience. You know, 30, 40 years later. And you would get the Stonelight Archive in a sense. I mean, it's it's um, yeah, it's got that same weird level of detail and coloring, but it's much more action focused and and streamlined. I don't know. It's it's interesting. So that's a really cool find. Yeah. So uh, there you go. I mean, this all like, like thirty four years to hone his craft. I mean, this already he... looks great. <laughs> it's just. 
this was drawn in the 80s. It's like, this was cool for It's also the ago. font. Yeah, the font. The I know that this no is not, that, yeah, this know. is not, yeah, oh, yeah. This is not content that makes a ton of sense on an entirely audio podcast, but yeah, check out when the you Google Dragon the book. Cover. It's the cover that, that comes that up font everywhere. It's kind of outdated. So it's like yeah. it's the cover that you see like on Wikipedia and on Amazon and on Goodreads. That's the cover that I have here, the mass market paperback, and um, yeah, yeah, the font kills it. Uh, it's also just a weird. And it'll probably be if you're picture. listening on Spotify. It'll probably be the picture on Spotify. I would imagine. Probably either that or using Anne McCaffrey's me. Wikipedia photo. <laughs> God, I wouldn't do it dirty like that. <laughs> I'd find a no, nice we, picture of her. We put respect on the name. You got to put respect yeah, on the name, and that's uh, the thing I want to say. Like the kind parting words on on this book is: Look, Anne McCaffrey. After reading this book, after reading up on her, complete legend and rooted in so much fantasy that we love and enjoy today, whether it's the Stormlight Archives, Game of Thrones, Avatar The Way of Water, you can see how this one little like butterfly had this effect that we are getting to enjoy way later on in, in fantasy. And while we may have grown past a lot of the like actual storytelling style in this book. There is a lot of unique offerings to enjoy in this story, especially if you're a sci-fi fan, especially if you're a biology fan. There's uh, enough here that it's worth reading. It's 360 pages, which in the world of fantasy is light reading. So you can read this really quickly. And... Uh, it's just an w- interesting snapshot of history. The ninth book in the Dragon Riders of Pern that this was the one that takes place before it all. And you get to kind of enjoy that that inspiration. And there's 20-something other books out there after this that you could uh, enjoy and get into afterwards. So it's it's worth checking out. If anything that we've said today even remotely strikes your interest pick it up you got nothing to lose and at the very least you got to put respect on the name and mccaffrey for sure put respect on that name mm-hmm. charles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's pretty cool i it sounds like there's a lot of reasons to grab this sounds like it could be a palate cleanser sounds like it can be a bit of a history lesson for those of us who like to look back and try to understand how the genre has changed and evolved. Mm. That's something you and I like to talk about sometimes, Charles. We don't really feel equipped to do this thing we think about sometimes, but we've talked about almost coming up with this family tree style way that fantasy has evolved with all these branches and what's inspired what. And it's, uh, right, it'd be really cool to try to figure out where Dragon Riders... 10, 20 yeah. years, I would say. And then to kind of see how it's changed even in that time period. Then when you go way, way back, which is kind of outside of our strengths, um, when we go into like the 80s and even 70s, 60s, what I consider to be some of the darker ages of fantasy, if I'm being honest, where you get a lot of Tolkien and Not in a grim, dark way. Pulp stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like... Like to try and figure out what from that authors today grew up like because Brandon Sanderson grew up reading this 
kind of stuff. And now he's the one that the authors of Tomorrow are growing up and reading. So it's just fascinating to see how a young Sanderson looked at the cover of Dragon's Dawn and was like, this is cool. This is the vibe that I really enjoy. And then later on got to make his own covers. So it's just like really fascinating to see where the genre has gone and how much more character driven and thematically driven it is compared to what we've seen um, in this story. But, you know, I kind of miss some of the intelligence that's found in this book, you know, the procedural um, problem solving, tinkering uh, of this book. I, I, I kind of enjoy and wouldn't mind seeing seeing more of. Um, in future books it kind of reminds me of of miss born where they're all kind of sitting around the whiteboard it's like how do we kill the dark one it's like well we'd have to do this and then we have to do this and they kind of you know make the plan it's like i, I love that scene in miss born and and then now you have something at a much more scientific level and much grander like a whole book basically around that one scene um in in dragon's dawn so highly you know recommend checking out if any of this piqued your your interest and uh i hope you learned something about anne mccaffrey i know i did i think that was the most rewarding piece about this like you said dylan kind of puts another piece into the puzzle that is the timeline of of the history of of fantasy and it's an important piece that i had no um experience with reading and now i'm glad that i have at least some i know it's kind of the atypical book like of all the dragon riders of perms books to read this is the most um individual so maybe i'll have to go back and check out some of those short stories or something to see like where it all began but um i'm, I'm just glad that i got to at least get a piece of Can it for now so you talked about this hypothetical idea of brandon sanderson reading dragon riders of pern mm-hmm. or checking out the cover but while you were chatting up about that charles mm-hmm. i was doing a little research behind the scenes here. And guess what? Found an interview where he's talking about it explicitly. In fact, he said, yeah, he said he basically discovered reading when he was 14. And he goes on to talk about how he, uh, quote, bounced hard off of, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings is what he's talking about bounced hard off it as a reluctant reader and then he went on to read he read something called dragon's bane uh, and that one's by barbara hamley and next to it in the card catalog was dragon flight by oh, anne mccaffrey and that was the f- the first series that brandon saracen really got hooked on is what wow. he says so he credits Anne McCaffrey, among another couple authors, Melanie Ron and Barbara Hambly, who, he says, really pulled me into fantasy books. So I think we can very confidently say, without the Dragon Riders of Pern, we do not have Brandon Sanderson sure. writing all these awesome epic fantasy novels. It, so. It's Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern that captured the imagination of Brandon Sanderson, something that Tolkien didn't really do. And you can kind of see that in Sanderson's work, too. It's not Tolkien-esque at all. It, it's very much yes. like a, a different kind of storytelling. And um, I, I can see why he was pulled towards some of this considered pulp fantasy but still has all these terrific fantasy elements that you know and mccaffrey i'm sure took from 
some inspiration from Tolkien and the Hobbit and was like, we can make a earth colonizing sci-fi fantasy with some of these elements. And, and, and then, then you have Sanderson reading that and it's, it evolves and it's, it's super fascinating to, to, to see that. And when you kind of count the generations, it's like for us reading Sanderson to go another generation back was like him going back to Tolkien and being like, does this grab me? I don't know. It's like, that's kind of like how far back that we've gone. It's like, this is not something we're used to. It's not something that might at first captivate us right away because it's a bit older, but um, that doesn't mean that there's not really gold nuggets in here that have lasted till today. Like so many of these themes and imagery and, 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 and just overall kind of whatever it is that that vibe that is fantasy that has that's lived on from the 80s and this dragon's dawn book to today it's fascinating so there you go it's an important part of our history as fantasy readers and fans that um, we now have some experience talking about here in the friends talking fantasy podcast i learned something today as we're recording this about you know all of these these um, book covers and the sanderson element i wasn't expecting that twist today but i totally see it and um mm. yeah the michael whalen whalen brandon sanderson kind of mix into all this is super fascinating so there you go that's a little history lesson and, and fantasy for you guys. And um, looking forward to the next thing. That's you episode one, one more thing, Charles? Huh? Not yet. Not yet. You want to learn one more thing, oh, yeah, Charles? Of course. Always. Anne McCaffrey comes from the long list of incredible authors, including friend of the show, Nick Martell, who we interviewed just recently, who lived on Long Island Wow! for a substantial amount of time. In fact, it says on her Wikipedia page that uh, she and her family moved to Seacliff, Long Island. I don't even know where that in, is. Was it 19? Yeah, me neither. Isn't that weird? It must oh, be it's like... it's in Oyster Bay. It's in oh Oyster my Bay. gosh! Okay, right next door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Man, I, I was like, like I was seriously places. clicking it, and I was like, I was seriously. Oh, <laughs> so she went in 1965. Uh, I don't know when <laughs> when our favorite pizza places were established, but <laughs> I'm yeah, getting she, little V's vibes from Long this. Island. I gotta be honest here. Um, but more so know. than roses yeah like there's not a lot of i don't get a lot of like specialty slice kind of vibes i'm getting like you got your pepperoni your cheese you know that's what i'm getting from no cheese even that not no, in no. 65 no so when she moved and that's when she became a full-time writer was on long island after moving in 1965 over in oyster bay not too far from where we grew up you and me charles and yes (laughs) yes and not too far from where our buddy nick martell grew up and i i think we obviously f scott fitzgerald spent a substantial amount of time Mm -hmm. on long island as well so um, billy joel a fantastic writer in his own 
right? Not necessarily writing novels, like but writing yeah. incredible lyrics to songs. So, I mean, you wrote scenes at an Italian I mean, restaurant. What? Bottle of red, bottle of white. I mean, come on. Piano yeah, man. Totally. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Brenda and Eddie. <laughs> exactly. We didn't start the fire, all, all those <laughs> They were events. the popular steadies, but, and, and they were the king and the queen at the point. Oh, don't even, uh, don't even get us started on, on all the... With, on Brenda and Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I can do I can do a lot of we didn't start the fire. I, I you can do a lot of Billy Joel. Actually, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, like um, off the top of my head. But <laughs> we'll save that for bonus content on our non-existent. Patreon. Do you want to see Dylan recite the lyrics to "We Didn't Start the Fire" <laughs> yeah. from memory? Let us know over on social media. <laughs> just send fire emojis, yeah. and we'll know. Yeah, um, yeah. Just send fire emojis. We'll know what it means. Exactly. Um, but yeah. you know, we Good said this was going to be a tight thirty minutes. Episode. Here we are, like fifty minutes. A very tight fifty-three. <laughs> But, you know, we, we learned some stuff along the way. Totally worth it. This was a lot of fun. Um, you know, getting to look at these, they're new to us authors, but they have such a rich history and influence over the genre. There's so much that we discover and find interesting about them because of all the connections that we're able to make from what we know about relatively modern fantasy. So we could spend all day just going down the rabbit hole of these things. And I'm sure if we picked another author out of the hat from the 70s and 80s we we would be doing something very similar but there you go and mccaffrey new york times bestseller dragon's dawn um yep dylan thanks for listening to me talk about this this book and thank you for bringing some of those fire and mccaffrey facts over my way that's mm. great. Well, I didn't start the fire, Charles. <laughs> it was you who read the book and came in with I all did. those hot takes. So, <laughs> Just don't tell Billy Joe. Those hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't tell. Yeah, there's only so much we can say of the songs, or we we will be liable to get to do. Exactly. It's a yeah. thing. But there is something so. else that I could start. That's a song that won't get us sued. Oh, you could get that <laughs> sweet, sweet outro music pumping, there Charles. There go. So allow me to, to get that started for us. Mm. Thank Harry you Truman all oh. so much <laughs> for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you want to support the show, if you want to reach out to us, do that over on the socials. That's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end on Twitter. And now, Dylan, if someone was listening to the show and they like what they heard and they wanted support even further than just following and communicating with us over the socials, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. And you can do that now on Spotify. That's where most of you are listening. It's just two clicks at the top of your podcast feed for friends talking fantasy you can also give us five stars on apple and write a review if you are so inclined but just listening is more than enough we really appreciate you yeah sticking around this long i know this is kind of a loose episode but uh, we had fun recording it and we're so excited to be bringing you the 200th before too long can't 
agree more, Dylan. Thank you all so, so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Episode 199 in the back confirmed. You guys are the best. Thank you all so, so much. And uh, as always, go forth and conquer, friends.